Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we're, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew. We're looking at the great king, and we're in chapters 8 and 9. We just finished chapter 8. We're getting into chapter 9, and we've been looking at the compassion of Jesus. And one of the amazing things is, is when you see Jesus' willingness to, to be there, to, to heal people, to cast demons out of them, you just are struck by the love that he has for people. What Matthew is going to do today is he's going to show us that there's another dimension to that issue of compassion. And it's something that we all struggle with, something that we all have to deal with in our lives, and, and it's the reality that Jesus has the power to forgive us our sins. We don't really talk about that very much today, but it's something that really we need to come to grips with because the reality is, is you and I need to be forgiven. Do you understand what I'm saying? You and I need to be forgiven for the attitudes that we have, for the wrong things that we have, for the wrong thoughts, for the deeds that we do wrong, because all of it is a sin against God. We are offending God continually. Do you know what I'm talking about? Aren't you glad God's not like you? Because have you, have you ever been to work or, or have you been, a, been somewhere and, and you just get irritated by somebody? That, it's like every time they do something, it's just like irritating you. They always do something wrong. They're always messing up. They're all, and you're just like steam's coming out of your hair. You're pulling what little bit? I've only got a little bit of hair. But I mean, you might have more hair, but you're pulling your hair out because they can't do anything right. And it's just like everything they do is wrong towards you. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've been there? Think about how you react. Aren't you glad God doesn't act that way towards you? Because you're exactly like that. I'm exactly like that. Constantly offending, constantly doing wrong, constantly messing up. But he forgives. That's his compassion. Now the problem is, is, for you and I, we, we get distracted. We get distracted when it comes to thinking about the stuff that we do wrong. Thinking about our sin. We get distracted. What do you mean by that, George? Well, I'll give you two thoughts here. First of all, when it comes to the issues of our lives, we tend to focus on the crisis. When it comes to the issues of our life, we tend to focus on our crisis. So if, if we were, if I was to go around and just, if we, we, if we weren't in a service right now, we were just intermingling or maybe we were downstairs for some food and we had coffee or something. And I would like to, and I would say to you, Hey, what's going on in your life? What are you dealing with this week? Some of you would say, you know what, man, things are not going well, George. I, I'm going through this. And you would tell me about your crisis or I just went through this. And you'd tell me about your crisis. Or this is what I'm facing at work. And you would tell me about your crisis. We, we tend to get distracted, have you noticed that, by the stuff that's going on in our lives. 
when we think about our lives, we tend to get distracted by the stuff that's going on in our lives. We don't say anything like this. Hey, how's it going in your life? Well, I guess things are okay, but you know what? I'm really dealing with this sin problem. It's got me down. I'm really wrestling with this thing that's really destroying me spiritually. Nobody says, nobody talks like that. Have you noticed nobody ever says anything like that? Hey, George, I got an addiction. Because we don't think that way. It's not part of our lives. We, we are so distracted by everything else going on in our lives that that's all we focus on. That's all we focus on. Here's the second thing I want you to see, talking about this distraction. We overlook the reality of sin and its consequences. See, all we see is the crisis, but you maybe didn't think or it never enters into our mind that maybe I'm going through the crisis because of my sin. Have you noticed that? Because sometimes we create the crises in our life. We, 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 we overlook and we, we, we're so focused on how do I get through this, how, all this problem and all of this, and we forget about what's going on in our lives. So this week, I, you know, somebody encouraged me to read Haggai in my devotion. So I was re- an Old Testament book, Haggai. I, don't wanna, I won't ask you to turn there because you'll have to look it up exactly where it is. And, and I've got to look it up to figure it Here it is, Haggai. I was reading through the second chapter. This verse stuck out to me, and I thought, this, is, this fits right with where we're at. Verse 17 of chapter 2, I struck you with blight, mildew, and hail, and all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Wow. See, we get distracted by all the stuff that's going wrong and all the things that are turned upside down in our lives, and we don't, we overlook the reality of our sin and our consequences. We overlook the reality, can I just say it? Are you ready? We're messed up. You know, do you know what I'm saying? We're messed up. Look to your neighbor right now and say, you've been waiting to do this. You're messed up. I mean, and, 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 and trust me, they're going to say it back to you. You're messed up. Oh, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're messed up. You and I are messed up. We, we need to, but here's the thing. It's easier for me to focus on what's going on in my life at the moment than to look at what needs to change. Because let's just stop for a moment. Let, let's just get real for a moment. Because here's the thing. It's easier for me to focus on the momentary crisis than to look at the hard work, the soul work of what's wrong with me. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's easier for me to focus on just come as it would, whatever, I can try to handle it, than look at, say, you know what, you've got a bad attitude, you've got these things that you're doing wrong, this is how you're treating people. You know, it's, it's easier. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we're distracted. 
Our focus is all wrong. We overlook the reality of sin. Now, George, why? I mean, you're going to talk about Jesus and his compassion and forgiveness. Why are we getting into this? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus wants us to turn away from the distraction to focus on what needs to change in our lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus wants us to turn away from the distractions of everything else and focus on what he came to die on a cross for is to deal with your sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's what this story that we're about to read, this event in Christ's life, is going to show us. That he has the power to forgive. Now let's just stop for a moment. He has the power to forgive, but it takes something before we can get there. It takes you and I admitting it. Admitting what, George? Admitting that we're messed up and that there's areas of our lives that that need to change and that only he can change us and there's areas of our lives that need to be forgiven and only he can forgive and There's shame that we carry that needs to be removed. And only he can remove it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So so let's let's, let's look today. Let's look at this passage. It's just a few verses. We're looking at verses 1 through 8 of chapter 9. And we're looking at this incident. It's a familiar story. Matthew doesn't give us very many details. The other Gospels give us a lot more details. But Matthew's focus is different, so I want you to notice what's going on here. Look with me. So when he got into a boat, crossed over, and he came to his own city. That's Capernaum, okay? And behold, they brought him a paralytic laying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes, said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And so he arose and departed to his house. And now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to, we're going to go deeper in verses 1 to 2, and then we're going to look at the forgiver. We're going to go deeper with this whole concept of what Jesus can do, and then look at what he can do as the forgiver. So let's look at 1 and 2. Look at what it says there. When he got into a boat, crossed over, he came to his own city. Behold, they brought to him a paralytic laying on the bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. The other Gospels tell us they didn't just bring him in. So don't picture in your mind four guys or two guys walking in with this guy who's an invalid on a cot. We know from the other Gospels that literally when Jesus is meeting in this house, they broke through the roof and lowered the guy down in front of Jesus. Talk about having faith, right? But here's what I want you to see here. Several things I want you to see here. There is a focus on the immediate need. 
There's a focus on the immediate need. What's the immediate need? They have a paralyzed friend. The immediate need is, is I know that Jesus can heal him. we got to get our paralyzed friend to Jesus so he can heal. Do you understand? That's how we operate, isn't it? I'm going through this crisis. I'm going through this difficulty. I've got this bill. I got the ticket the other day in the borough because I didn't know the cop was there. I thought he was off, but he's on. And now i got a ticket. i got to pay for that. How am I going to pay for that? My engine just went out. No, those are all things that are not going on in my life, okay? So I'm just using those as examples. The ticket might be, but I mean, here's the reality. We have focus on the immediate need. That's what our focus is, isn't it? Because that's how we operate. You think about what you do today. Most of what you do today is focused on what's the immediate thing that needs to be taken care of. Do you understand? That's only natural. That's the way we operate. That's how the friends are here. They're focused on the immediate need. And this is what we want Jesus to address. That's the second point. This is what we want Jesus to address. I've got a paralyzed friend. You can heal him. Jesus, heal him. This is what we want you to address. Think about what you're praying about, the crisis that you can't handle. Because, yes, there are crises that you can't handle. Everybody recognize that? There are stuff that you go through that you can't handle. And when we go to prayer, here's our prayer. Help! Take care of this! We want Jesus to address it. It's the immediate need that we want Jesus to address. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the immediate need that we want Jesus to address. This is reality. That's the way we operate. That's the way these guys are operating. But here's what I want you to notice that's interesting about this passage. So they bring this guy in front of Jesus. Actually, the other Gospels tell us they lower him. While Jesus is teaching there, they lower him in front of Jesus. And look at what Jesus says. It's almost like, huh? It's almost amazing. I mean, listen, if you were there, if I'm, let's say I'm Jesus. I'm sitting here and I'm teaching you. Somebody breaks through, dust is flying, boards, stuff's crumbling down. And then all of a sudden these ropes lower this bed in front and I can heal him. You expect me to what? Heal him. It's only natural, right? Look at what the passage says. Look with me at verse 2. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. What? Jesus, we brought him for you to heal him. We brought him so he can walk again. What are you talking about? Here's the third point. Jesus looks beyond the immediate to the greater need, to the greater issue. Jesus looks beyond the immediate to the greater issue. See, here's what's going on here, and here's what you and I need to understand. Our focus is whatever we're going through right now. 
Our focus is the crisis. Our focus is the health issue. Our focus is the relationship issue. Our focus is, is all this stuff that's going on. And, and there might be many reasons why that stuff is happening. But here's what I want you to see. Yes, Jesus can take care of all that stuff. But Jesus actually looks beyond what the, the momentary crisis that we're going through. What do you mean momentary, George? It's been going on for a while. In God's economy, it's momentary. And from his perspective, he looks beyond the momentary to the greater issue. What's the greater issue? The things that destroy us. Let's just call it what it is. It's not a bad habit. It's not something you inherited from your spouse. It's not because the color of your hair are you hearing me, redheads? Okay. It's not because you're Dutch or German or Italian or a Slovak. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Or you don't know, or everybody's got Cherokee in them. It's not because of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's because you are a sinner. And you're destroying your life. I'm destroying my life. And while we're focused on the immediate, Jesus looks beyond the immediate to the greater need, the greater need of our souls. The issue of sin. See, that's going deeper. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's going deeper. That's that's stop pausing for a moment and looking beyond the crises, the whatever, the problems, the, and looking, be, looking into me, looking into you. And I, I just stop for a moment. We don't like going there. Can we admit that? Can, can we admit that? We don't like the darkness within us. What do you mean the darkness? Well, you know, it's interesting. A few years ago, 1987 was, a, it was an interesting year. Two televangelists fell. One of them was a guy by the name of Jimmy Swaggart. He was well-known. And in 1997, I was reading a Christianity Today article, 10 years later after Jimmy Swaggart, this, the, author, the author was sharing about how he went to visit Swaggart, who was still in ministry. I think he's still in ministry today. And he talked about how the crowds were down, the big auditorium was curtained off, so it looked like they had a lot of people, and his ministry was not the same again. And it was just an interesting article. I can't remember anything more about the article except the closing statement. He said this. Why do we hate Jimmy Swaggart? Let's just stop for a moment. We do hate those guys when they fall. Why do we hate Jimmy Swaggart? Why do we hate any preacher who stumbles and falls? Why? Why do we hate Jimmy Swaggart? And here's what he said. Because Jimmy Swaggart reveals the darkness that's within all of us. See, this is what we don't... See, we don't want to go there because we don't want to admit, are you listening to me, that we got a problem, that we are messed up, that we haven't got it all together, and that we need forgiveness, and we need to deal with our sin, and we need God. 
Do you understand? So here, here we are. We've got this guy who's paralyzed. He's, he's lowered down to Jesus. Jesus, we want you to heal him. Jesus says, cheer up. Be happy. Your sins are forgiven you. Because he's looking at a greater issue. Now, I want you to see the forgiver. Because this causes a stir. I mean, of all the things, if he had just healed him, everybody would be like, wow, isn't that wonderful? But Jesus uses this moment to go deeper. It's actually the first time we see in this gospel that all of a sudden there are these guys who are opposed to Jesus. But through this interaction with these scribes, these Pharisees, we're going to see, listen to me, something about the forgiver. So look with me. First of all, look with me at verses, verse 3. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. All right, let me just stop for a moment. Boy, that's pretty harsh. Why are they doing that? Well, to be honest with you, it would be a natural reaction. Why? Because I want you to hear me. In their mind, the only person who could forgive, and this is my point, only God can forgive sins. You need to understand that. Only God can forgive sins. And what's going on here is, is that they know that, and, and here they are, they see a guy who's human, who's grown up among them, and now he says to this guy who's paralyzed, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. They recognize that Jesus is taking to himself the prerogative of God. He's saying, I can forgive your sins. See, this is the first thing you need to understand about Jesus. He can forgive your sins. Why? Because he's God. Only God can forgive your sins. You know, it's interesting. I, it, it's interesting. It's only been in the last 30 years that you've ever heard things like this. I, you know, sometimes I talk to people and, and they struggle. They'll say, I can't forgive myself for what I did. You ever, ever said something like that? Don't raise your hand. But you know what I'm talking about. Can't forgive myself. Can't forgive myself. And so you'll hear people talk about forgiving yourself. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Nowhere in the New Testament do you find anything about forgiving yourself. Why? Because that's not the issue. The reason why you're struggling with forgiving yourself is because you're struggling with the shame of what you've done. See, we don't talk about shame very much. And the fact is, is you're ashamed of what you've done. And you need to understand that the one who forgives also removes your shame. Romans chapter 10 talks about him. Romans chapter 5, I think it's verse 10, talks about him removing your shame. And you need to understand that the issue of you not forgiving yourself is that you've not completely gone to him and asked him to completely, listen to me, forgive you and remove your shame. Because he removes it. He removes it. You've got to embrace that. He's the forgiver. And these guys, they recognize that. They're, they're, Jesus is claiming something here. This isn't, he's blaspheming. That's only natural from their reaction. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Verses 4 to 5. This will scare you. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say? 
your sins are forgiven you, or do I say, rise up and walk? Here's the second thing. This is the one you and I got to grasp. Jesus knows our thoughts and the condition of our hearts. Hey, you know, it's Oscar time. Big controversy these days with the Oscars. I don't really pay attention to that. I just know it's Oscar time. And, you know, with Oscars, you give out awards for best supporting actress, best actress, best film, all those. Okay, you know what? All of us here deserve an Oscar. What do you mean? Because you act every day. I act every day. I act like I haven't done anything wrong. You act like you haven't done anything wrong. In fact, the prime moment for our acting is when we walk into this building. And we act like we got all of our acts together, right? We've rehearsed. We've thought. Because the reason why we do that is because nobody here, even though we think we can, nobody here can read minds, nobody knows hearts. Aren't you glad for that? Oh, yeah, baby, trust me, yeah. But there is one who can. There is one who knows. And listen, if you're thinking about these guys, first thing they heard, they're sitting there, Man, this guy's blasphemy. Who does he think he is to forgive sins? Jesus says, why are you thinking that in your hearts? Whoa. You think they would have got a clue. But they didn't. But see, this is something you and I need to know. See, this is why Jesus turns the attention from the immediate deal with the crisis to what the real issue is. Here's the real issue is, folks. You and I are messed up. And here's the second part. He knows it. He knows your thoughts. He knows your deeds. He knows it. He knows my thoughts. He knows my deeds. He knows us. He knows the thoughts, and he knows the condition of our hearts that we're messed up, that we're bankrupt. We may act like everybody. Every, every, oh, he's got his act together. Really? Really? The forgiver, he knows our thoughts, he knows the condition of our hearts. So here's what he does. Here's the final thing I want you to see about the forgiver. Jesus not only has the power to heal, but the power to forgive. You've got to own that one. Put a star by that one. Here's what he says. Look with me. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. It's almost like, really? You guys don't think I am who I am? Which is easier? Which is easier? To tell a paralyzed man to get up and walk or to forgive your sins? So that you understand I have the ability to forgive sins? He says to the paralyzed man, get up, take up your cot, go home. And he did. Now here's the thing I want you to understand. The same Jesus who has power to deal with your crises who has power to deal with the immediate need that you and I have, the same Jesus, has power to forgive you, to remove your sins as far as the east is from the west, to remember them no more. 
to carry away the shame that you carry, to give you honor and a new place with him. That's the same Jesus. Is that not awesome? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.